guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with yours truly. My name is Katie Bilotti. For those of you who don't know who the heck is speaking on this podcast, I'm a 23-year-old social media coordinator by day, blogger by night, and this is my podcast where I basically let all of my thoughts and feelings run rampant, and I just talk for days, literally, literally for days, um, about various topics, just things that pop into my brain throughout my day-to-day. Um, I have this little notebook here that I religiously just have on me, and I always just, you know, write down little things throughout the day and little, you know, places that my mind wanders and I sit down and I unpack them for you guys, all these thoughts every single week here on the podcast. Thick and Thin comes out every Thursday, sometimes late Wednesday night, sometimes early Thursday morning, just depends on the grind. Um, But yeah, so that is what the podcast is all about. I feel like I I really don't describe um, like what the whole podcast theme is very often. So that's, that's a little description for you guys. But anyway, tonight's episode of Thick and Thin is an interesting one. Um, if you guys listened to last week's episode, it was about, you know, being a muse and um, being too much and being criticized for it or criticizing yourself for it and all of those different things. And something about last week's episode that a lot of you guys really loved was the fact that I brought in some history. And I talked about Sarah Murphy, as you guys might remember, who was the muse of so many literary and art geniuses. And, you know, it just, she was kind of um, outspoken and just different for her time and kind of shook up the cultural norm so you guys really loved that I pulled in you know some historical stuff to the last episode so tonight I am doing the same and I'm going to be talking about Zelda Fitzgerald tonight who as you guys know was the wife or actually not many of you guys know because I took a I took a poll on my Instagram story because I was like I don't know how many people actually know who Zelda Fitzgerald is so let me see the actual poll results but I asked Do you guys know, okay, so do you know who Zelda Fitzgerald is? And I just posted this about 20 minutes ago. 763 voted yes, 786 voted no. So most of you guys, by a little little sliver there, most of you guys don't know, or I guess 50-50. I wouldn't say most. Um, You know, guys, math is not my strong suit. But so a lot of you guys don't know who Zelda Fitzgerald was, which I think is kind of a shame considering, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald, her husband, is such a notorious name and everyone knows, you know, Great Gatsby, knows who he is, whatever. I think most of us know The Great Gatsby. Maybe we're forced to read it in high school or saw the movie. But if you guys know that iconic, you know, phrase or or quote rather that Daisy says um, about her daughter. I'm glad it's a girl. I hope she'll be a fool. That's the best thing a girl in this world can be. A beautiful little fool. Um, That quote actually came out of Zelda Fitzgerald's mouth when she gave birth and obviously her husband wrote it down real quick put it in his pocket and put it in his novel and I mean even some of his it's kind of argued that some of his novels were almost completely written by her or using her words Zelda's words so anyway I'm gonna get on with the full story in a little bit but she is a force to be reckoned with she is one of those individuals those people that you know we can really relate to in some regard but I'm gonna get into her story in a little bit and it's really interesting because it actually does relate back to the full message of this podcast which is kind of relating to the concept of you know you being in one phase of your life like I'm here in my 20s I'm 23 I'm living in New York doing my dream job and then I kind of have this tendency sometimes to look back and think wow I think my life might have been better 
at this age or I really wish that I looked like I did at this age or I really just wish I was 10 years older and I was in this you know there's this constant insecurity of being in the phase that you're in you just don't want to be you know I mean sometimes you do sometimes you're like okay this is great but then other times well other times you're like get me out of this phase of my life you know do you ever feel that way like SOS I want to be either older or younger or just get me out of this current situation you know Um, we always want when we can't have you know the grass is always greener and I kind of want to debunk that you know that feeling of you know maybe things are going downhill in my current life like can I go back to this phase and why we feel this way and kind of you know get to the root of that so that is okay in that little like three four minute description what tonight's podcast is going to be about it's not going to be too historical don't get nervous it's going to be a lot of just me talking about current things that are going on in my brain so yeah buckle up your seatbelts it's about to be a wild ride back in history as I'm rolling up my sleeves like not even thinking I'm like getting ready guys I'm ready to talk Um, but before I get into the nitty-gritty of tonight's podcast as you guys know I'm going to introduce tonight's sponsor which once again is Dirty Lemon I'm holding in my hands right now I feel like Tyra Banks in my hands right now is the Dirty Lemon collagen drink and as you guys know as I've talked about it before Dirty Lemon is a direct to consumer line of functional beverages. So they have eight different drinks that provide health and wellness benefits such as immunity support, glowing skin, gentle daily cleansing, all with less than one gram of sugar and less than 30 calories, which is pretty darn good. Not to mention all the bottles are very like trendy looking. They're kind of like aesthetically pleasing. They look great on my desk at work. All my coworkers are like, what is that? Has like this very distinct striped pattern on some of them and then like colors on the other. Um, But this one, the one I'm drinking right now is the Dirty Lemon plus collagen and as you guys probably know collagen is great for your skin and also relieving joint pain so I I mostly need it in the uh, skincare department because I don't really deal with joint pain much but I have extremely bad dry skin in the winter and my skin just looks dull tired like not much life to it so drinking this stuff just you know increasing my collagen intake really does wonders for my skin elasticity I look more awake more you know glowing people actually tell me I look like I'm glowing so I drink this stuff and and I'm, I'm serious, guys. It's really, really great. And so Dirty Lemon is amazing and is throwing in a little uh, itty-bitty surprise for you guys, all of my listeners. So basically, if you guys want to order Dirty Lemon, you can get a free case of beverages if you use my code. So all you got to do to place an order is text. I, yeah, text. It's super easy. You just send a text message. You're probably holding your phone right now. So just whip out your phone and text the following number, 917-588-0640. That's 917-588-0640 and use my code KDB, K-A-T-Y-B and you'll get a free case of beverages with your order, which is awesome. Guys, these things are life-changing. Okay, so that is it with tonight's sponsor. Now on with the episode. All right, guys, so before I get into the depths of Zelda Fitzgerald and her whole story and everything about her, um, I do want to kind of talk about the overarching theme of this episode tonight and kind of why I'm talking about what I'm talking about, because this has been a feeling, the whole feeling of not knowing if I'm in like the right phase of my life or like, you know, kind of wanting to be elsewhere, wanting to be in the past, wanting to, you know, be a future version of myself or the past version of myself and kind of competing with all these versions of myself. I want to talk about, you know, kind of what brought this full circle for me and kind of what made it come to the fruition 
you know, that it is and me talking about it on my podcast. So I woke up this morning, you know, casual Wednesday morning wake up, not very casual. It was like me like dragging myself out of bed as usual. Um, But I kind of I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, shit, I don't know what I'm going to talk about my podcast tonight because, you know, every Wednesday I kind of have this like panic that happens like first when I wake up but then also like kind of throughout the day where I'm like, wait, I don't know what to talk about on my podcast. My life is a sham. I don't know if I'm even like cut out for this stuff. I have this like whole, you know, internal like crisis in like 30 minutes and then I'm like wait a second Katie get your, get yourself together you definitely have something to talk about just think you know just be introspective for a second think about what you're you know going through and what you're thinking about and you know for the whole day on Wednesdays usually like all Wednesdays I'm just very introspective I'm very much like okay what makes me tick what am I worried about I'm gonna write or write no I'm not writing I'm gonna talk about that so anyway this morning casually woke up and was like okay I don't know what to talk about and then I like you know was laying in bed and I always do this thing where I pull up social media of course because like who doesn't these days and I lay in bed for like a solid five minutes and just scroll and see what I've missed and all this stuff and I went on Facebook you know how like the Facebook memories thing happens and like whatever and I guess um, like two years ago at this time or like some I, I don't know how many years ago at this time of year I posted like a throwback photo of me at prom and you know to make matters even worse my friend group and they're in the group me started talking about you know wedding dresses and then our prom dresses we just like basically my whole morning revolved around reflecting on my prom experience and just prom in general and I was like looking back at these photos of myself and I'm like pulling it up on my phone now so I can kind of refresh my memory like guys I am such a little baby like such a child and it's funny because like I, I look back at this and I'm like looking at myself in my white dress. I like wore this gown classically. And I just, I remember so clearly looking at myself in these photos that were taken and thinking, I look so fat. I was like, I am huge. Like I am like bulging out of this gown. Like, oh my God, I'm so fat. And I'm looking at it now and I'm like, wait, my neck used to look like that. My face wasn't round at one point in time. Like I look back and I'm like, okay, I'm an idiot. This is like the skinniest I've ever been. Not that being skinny is like the most important thing in the world as you know, as you guys know, but like we're all critical of ourselves and this is something that I'm like, oh my God. And I just think it's interesting because, you know, now sitting here, I'm like, wait a second, I wish that I still looked like this. Like I also like had so much free time in high school that I like my eyebrows are perfect. I like had my eyebrows perfectly waxed every week. Like I, you know, had time to like exercise all the time and I just looked great probably wasn't too stressed about anything I had just gotten into the college of my dreams I had the whole my whole life ahead of me I you know to be quite honest like haven't hooked up with this many people at that time like really like you know slim to no one so I was a clean slate like a virgin little child not an actual virgin but like felt like it you know it's just looking back I'm like wow I wish I was that clean slate again and I spent the whole morning my whole walk to work this morning was me thinking about you know what I would do if I could start fresh like that and be in you know in that phase of my life again wherein I wasn't like worried about anything I you know was going to college maybe like I was a little worried about the superficial elements of college you know but I wasn't too worried about anything and I was a free spirit guys like I had this energy like despite the fact that I was being brutally bullied in high school you know you look at these photos guys and you can't even tell that I was struggling at all and it's kind of scary because 
you know, even me sitting here now, I know my life better than anyone else knows it. Like I know my life, I could write the story of my life better than my parents, better than my friends because I am the person living it, obviously. So even me looking back at these photos and forgetting for a split second that I was brutally bullied in high school, like that's scary because I can't imagine other people looking at back at my life or looking at my life in general like these days and thinking that I am without blemish and I am perfect. But anyway, so this is scary because, you know, so much is, you know, left out of the narrative and so it actually reminds me of this quote that I recently saw on Tumblr it had like an anonymous it didn't say who said it which is upsetting I should probably honestly google it and I'll probably figure it out but I didn't say this but I wrote it down and then put it on Instagram in quotes and I I should have honestly researched who said it um, but I didn't so anyway I posted it and a lot of people liked it so um, it basically says the reason people find it so hard to be happy is that they always see the past better than it was the present worse than it is, and the future less resolved than it will be. And guys, this quote is amazing because it's so true. And this is just like testament for the quote, because I look back and I think, wow, you know, those days leading up to college and, you know, even in my first few years of college were like the golden days of my life. And I just, I wish I was back there, but then I kind of forget, you know, how confused I was all the time, how insecure I was all the time, how bullied I was in high school. And like, I just forget about all those things. And, you know, I also paint the the present to be worse than it is because, you know, I'm always like, oh, I wish I was that skinny again oh, I wish that my eyebrows looked like that. Oh, I wish that I wasn't so tired all the time and could just skip class whenever I wanted to. But then I forget that the, the present is pretty damn amazing if you, you know, take off that layer of stress that I constantly feel, you know, because my life isn't how it used to be because it's just all kind of like an illusion and just kind of this like, because obviously, you know, as humans, we aren't perfect. We can't remember every single detail of our lives I mean maybe if we really sat down and thought about it but we can't remember every word every person has ever said to us there's no way we we don't have enough you know brain capacity for that so you know we have this this tendency as humans to kind of summarize our lives you know with a series of moments that you know big moments milestones or um I guess one of my like elementary school principals says like stepping stones or like something you you kind of picture these like big stepping stone moments and you don't really you know remember every single word that was said every single time you felt insecure every single you know time that you just were wrong I don't know whatever so you know long story short you know we look back at our lives sometimes and we imagine things to be better than they were and a lot of times also we kind of you know, find ourselves in a hole or feeling like we're kind of digging ourselves in a hole and we kind of, you know, made a lot of decisions and a lot of choices along the way that just kind of led us into this weird part of our lives and we just wish, you know, that we could cling back to the past and when things were different, you know, whether it be good or bad. And, you know, I'm going to loop in one more quote that I saw. I'm the queen of quotes here, guys, um, that I posted on Instagram or Twitter, sorry, reposted on Twitter. It says, some days I feel like the person I've always wanted to be and other days I can feel my heart breaking for all the past versions of myself that I let down when I chose not to protect all of all that they were when I chose to tell them that they were not good enough. So this is kind of a little bit different but also related like in a small regard to the previous quote because, you know, sometimes in life we can feel 
like we are letting down the past version of ourselves like I looking at these photos of myself from prom I look into my eyes you know so to speak I look into the face of the person that I used to be and I think you know would she be proud of everything that I've done and you know obviously I think of everything that I've done being like you know I think of all the things that I've done that weren't so glamorous that weren't great and you know, as much as we can sometimes glamorize the past and think about it as being a better time than it was, there's also moments where we kind of nitpick and we look back and we're like, okay, these are all the ways that I fucked up when I was, you know, in, I don't know, X year of my life, you know, like freshman year of college, I can name a million different reasons why this, this, uh, you know, prom version of myself would probably be a little bit embarrassed or pissed at myself or pissed at what I did and my choices and so you know guys sometimes we we feel like we're kind of trapped by our choices and just know that you're not and you know I'm about to obviously tell the story of Zelda Fitzgerald and you know there was a point where she got you know in in her life where she felt so trapped by her choices there was a lot of speculation about how she was feeling in her life but no one actually knows which is tough because you know I one can only assume that she was obviously you know looking back at her life and thinking you know wishing that she was back where she used to be because if you guys have heard the story of her early life it is quite something so I'm going to tell you guys kind of a cliff notes version but before I do so I do want to read some of your responses some of them are actually funny some of them are a little bit tragic and very spot on Um, because I asked you guys to let me know if you guys said yes and you knew who Zelda Fitzgerald you know who she is or was um, to tell me something you know about her or what you do know about her and some people said she had a very tragic life which was true um, someone said her work was stolen by her husband and she was committed to a psych hospital um, which is true icon of the 20s she was the flapper author and artist married to f scott fitzgerald she was a wild child and also trained to be a professional ballerina true um, she's a babe and a half <laughs> yeah she was very very pretty for the time um there's a whole series about her on Amazon, which I definitely want to check out. You guys are telling me that. Um, she was an incredible author, but because of the time period, F. Scott Fitzgerald took credit for her work. She's a major socialite in the 20s. All of these things are true. So yeah, you guys basically, you know, kind of to an extent know her story, you know, the bones, like the the big parts of her story. Um, but there are some things that are often left out of historical accounts. A lot of times also, you know, some some stories about her, just the way that she's portrayed, you know, often favors, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald and kind of makes her out to be, you know, a terrible mother and just like a bad influence on him and his work and like all these things. And so you really have to be careful about what you read because a lot of times she is painted as an enemy to F. Scott Fitzgerald's art and like things like that. But like, come on. Okay, she's like the men, men. So on tonight's podcast, I want to kind of dive deep into, you know, the missing elements or just kind of like the lost parts of her story that we don't often hear about. You know, we hear about obviously like the superficial things. She was the first flapper. You know, she was the socialite. She was an alcoholic or, you know, and so was F. Scott Fitzgerald and they were just a crazy bunch. You know, if you guys have seen Midnight in Paris, you would know how she is kind of portrayed um, also as being kind of like a hindrance, like kind of... um, you know, made F. Scott Fitzgerald, um, his writing more depressing. And, you know, there's all these things that we hear about her, but there's some missing parts of her history and her story that I think we should talk about. So that's what I'm going to do tonight. Um, So I first want to start out by reading her yearbook quote, because, uh, you know, she, Zelda, Zelda Sayre was her name. Zelda Sayre um, was her married or her maiden name before she was married. And back in high school, a lot of historians will actually refer to her high school years as her golden years because it was when Zelda was at the true, just, she was, you know, 
what's the word? She was very free to be herself and, you know, she did a lot to express herself and I'll talk about some of those things. Some of them are funny. Um, but basically, she was adored by her colleagues in high school. Like, her her friends loved her. All the boys loved her. You know, there were obviously girls that were insecure about her, her uh, being around them because she was gorgeous and she did all these, like, crazy things um, that made people look at her. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how she was in high school. And her, her um, yearbook quote was kind of the ethos you know, of her entire, you know, being. It kind of just encapsulates that. Um, And so I'm reading it to you guys now. It says, why should all life be work when we all can borrow? Let's think of only today and not worry about tomorrow. So kind of just lock that into your brain because it's going to kind of just, you're going to justify everything that she does and that I'm going to talk about with that quote and be like, ah, it makes sense because this is her mantra for life. Um, So basically she did a lot of crazy stuff in high school and some stuff that I'm like thinking like, oh my god, if I did half of that, my mom would have had me shipped off to like an all-girls boarding school in like five seconds. So yeah, she lived a very dangerous, interesting life. And I'm going to talk about like specific things that I thought were hilarious that she did and just so, you know, powerful and bold for her time period. Because, you know, this is also, think about this. So it's like the 1900s was when she was born or 1900 on the dot was when she was born. So if she's 16 years old, it's 1916. So like, you know, just before the 1920s, because as we know, she was, you know, in her 20s during the 1920s. What a time to be alive. I often say I wish that I was alive during that era, you know, besides the fact that women didn't have many rights. Um, Although they were beginning to, you know, vote, they had the right to vote, but a lot of them didn't just for the sake of, you know, their image and whatnot. But it was a time where things were changing, you know, fashion was changing, people were experimenting more with their, what they were doing, Um, and, you know, especially women. Women were feeling a lot more emboldened to do their own thing. It certainly, you know, is not the Scarlett O'Hara time period, you know, although Scarlett O'Hara was kind of similar to Zelda in her spirit, you know, but Scarlett O'Hara obviously was a civil civil war, civil, wow, can I speak? Civil War time period, which was like 1860s. So anyway, okay, that was a little like way too much history. But basically some funny things that she used to do, um, just top line, just to tell you guys some funny things. I wrote them down because I was like cracking up on my way home from work today. Like Zelda, you were a riot. Sometimes when I'm uh, recording these podcasts, I picture like the person I'm talking about, like just chilling, like nodding in approval at me telling their story. Anyway, so Zelda was very interesting. She, um, well, back in the day, they used to have like in Alabama at her school, at her high school, they used to have these very exclusive dances where only certain people were invited. So guys, you know, classic boys would like decide who like the hottest girls in the school were and they would make this like roster of sorts and just they'd like tape it up and put their names and then like they'd assign themselves with a girl that like the girl had to go to the dance with them. Like how, well, first of all, how fucking sexist is that? But like, you know, it was like a thing back then that they used to do. And if you, your name wasn't on the list, you just aren't supposed to go. And unless you want to like, you know, be publicly ridiculed for it. You know, and sometimes if you, you know, you didn't want to go with that certain guy, like tough luck, whatever. But she was like literally put down on every slot. Like every guy wanted to take her to the dance. Like she was that type of person. So, and she would show up to these like so-called dances in like, you know, a very interesting gown. She used to actually make dresses for herself. Um, She'd show up in an outfit and funny enough, she would have mistletoe. Uh, during the wintertime, would have mistletoe fastened to the butt of her dress, essentially saying, kiss my ass, because as much as she was like, you know, 
a flirt or whatever because she was painted to be a flirt like you know many accounts of her but even young she was still you know she's still this feisty side even back in 1920 when you know women were still kind of looked at as inferior to men like definitely were she was like nah kiss my ass which I thought was hilarious so she was that type of spirit um she would also do this thing so she loved swimming and dancing she was very athletic and you know she grew up kind of just hanging out with the guys like that was so her her personality you know as much as she did have a lot of girlfriends the guys just were consistently like obsessed with her personality she was so you know bold and outspoken and would always do something like do the different thing like she would never just like be one to do the same thing as everyone else so as you guys know back in the 1900s there was a certain type of uh swimming like bathing suit you'd wear she decided to say fuck that and she just you know went out swimming with the boys one day in a nude like fully nude one-piece bathing suit which was like so risque at the time because it was basically like she was naked you know now it's like okay how much how little clothing can you wear to the beach but anyway so she did stuff like that so I wrote that. I, I, my notes are funny for this. Mistletoe on ass. Nude bathing suit. Uh, she also danced this very, you know, risque dance called the Grizzly Bear, which basically is kind of like you're, you're pushed up against, if you guys watch Downton Abbey, it's like you're like pushed up against, you know, your partner and it's like kind of like you're in an embrace, but you're slow dancing. So you're not like, I don't know, touch. You're just like in a, like a hug and you're like just slow dancing type of thing or like dancing very close to, I think it's slow dancing. I don't really know actually. I guess, I don't know. I need to research dance more. But you guys know it was a very like risque dance for the time. She did that. Um, She also, so there was, you know, once the war began um, at this time period, she um, was living very close by to this like um, airplane. What do they call it? Like a hangar, airplane hangar, um, where planes would like, you know, they would train um, pilots for the war, how to like fly planes. The Wright brothers set up nearby or whatever. Um, That's what the historical account said. And she, you know, took a liking or like would just, you know, kind of parade around these um, airport hangars and guys would literally, you know, be so obsessed with her and her personality, just how she like carried herself that they would, you know, like fly their planes over her house and like try to like do the little wing trick where you like wave the wings or whatever and would literally crash their planes because like not get like not die or anything but they would like crash their their planes um because they were like trying to impress her like can you imagine being like oh yeah guy's like so impressed with me that he's gonna like crash his plane for me like or risk risk literally dying you know, for me, like, can you imagine now I can like hardly get a freaking text back, but like, okay, Zelda. (laughs) Um, and she, she was a type to turn down a lot of guys. Naturally, you guys can like probably gather that from this little account here. She like loved the attention, but she like, didn't like give it out willy nilly or like give it out, give, give it up. You know what I mean? It's like, she was very selective. Um, you know, not with like who she hooked up with per se, but who she like committed to and gave her, whoa, oh my god just like threw my phone and and gave her feelings to like one time she like made out with a guy just because she had a or she lol he had a mustache and she wanted to know what it felt like to make out with someone with a mustache so that was kind of like the person she was she was very you know spontaneous but she was not quick to give out her heart and soul to every person you know she she was very selective about who she flirted with and how she did it and ultimately she would walk away unscathed unscathed is that how you say that word like she would not be harmed but guys would be heartbroken so okay you go girl but so many guys in fact were heartbroken by her and just were rejected by her that they created a club at their university like it was like college guys at like this one school in Alabama I don't think it was University of Alabama maybe it was I don't really remember Um, but like a, a kind of like a state school type school in Alabama 
um, created a club, which ultimately would be a fraternity. So now it's a fraternity. I don't know if it still exists, but they called it ZS after her initials. So Zelda Sayer obviously was her first and last name. ZS um, is what they called it. And then they uh, eventually rather called it Zeta Sigma still using her initials. So that's interesting. I wonder if it still exists. I didn't really look into that part, but yeah. So this girl, this girl was coveted by every guy, envied by every girl that wasn't her friend. She was a force to be reckoned with, as I've said like three times already. She literally showed up to her college or her high school, rather graduation, wearing a completely, you know, different outfit than everyone else. Like all the girls had come together and decided they were going to wear very simple dresses. She comes in a white silk gown with ribbons hanging off of it. And, you know, instead of sitting with all of her classmates, she sits in the audience just to be different and be like, oh, where's Zelda? You know, she knew exactly what she was doing. She knew how to, you know, rope in the attention of every person around her. And, you know, it helps that she's, she was gorgeous, but it was the way that she carried herself. She was so bold and just so, you know, she wanted to be different and she wanted to be loved by everyone. Um, you know, who's to say that I, I don't know what was going on in her head, but ultimately she ran into none other, none other than F. Scott Fitzgerald, who, so she met him through the military because she, um, as you know, she was passionate about dancing. She put together this little like dancing crew of like her and her friends and they would go and perform for members of the military, you know, as they were obviously, um, I don't know what he was doing actually, but he was in the military, I do believe, but then he like didn't end up going to combat. He was like in training. So it was like in training, they like would go and like entertain the soldiers in training, um, with their dancing. And he was obviously captivated by her and, you know, her dancing skills was what initially turned him onto her. Um, and they like danced together at one of these like balls that she was invited to. Um, and ultimately, you know, she was not impressed by him. She was like, he asked her out on a date the next day and she was like, I, I don't do that. Like I, she literally flat out said no. And like F. Scott Fitzgerald was apparently attractive. Um, although he actually, I found out he was five, seven, which is very interesting because I don't, I don't go for guys that are five, seven. Um, I know that's very superficial of me, but whatever. We all got to have something. That's my thing. I need them to be at least 5'10". But yeah, so those are some things about her youth that I think often like no one knows about. Literally no one knows that about her. They know her as F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife, but they don't know that A, she was like this wild child person that just did her own thing regardless of the cultural norm. Just like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to like you know, romanticize the way that she was a flirt because like, you know, I don't want people to say, oh, Katie only thinks that girls are cool. Like historical women are cool if they flirt a lot and whatever, because that's not true. I think that this girl, you know, was just she was against the norm in all sorts of ways, the way that she dressed, the way that she acted, the way that she just did things without a second thought, just did what she wanted to and just was so 100% herself, you know, also kind of as an aside like she was so gifted in the arts like she was a bright student as well like she didn't study for anything apparently and had a B average which I guess I don't really know how the system was back then but apparently that was very good um you know she kind of just like did her own thing but she was bright she was witty she was interesting she was everything everything that I wish that I was in high school to be honest but you know at the end of the day, I think that's inspiring, just how she was. And also, she literally turned down F. Scott Fitzgerald when she first met him. Like, people paint her as this, like, wacky little sidekick to F. Scott Fitzgerald that, like, you know, she, they were both alcoholics and they were crazy and she would throw herself downstairs because she, she did at one point. She was so, you know, burnt out from everything. You know, this is just a, this, a story of a woman who, you know, had this crazy 
you know, potential and ultimately her marriage, I mean, I'm not one to judge, I guess, but like, I also, I just think that, you know, ugh, it's tough because so much beauty came from the, the union of Zelda and F. Scott Fitzgerald because they, like, so much great literature was born from them being a couple, but also so much pain for both of them came from them being a couple. You know, it's like a double-edged sword here. Like, I don't know what to say about it, but I do want to kind of just like talk about Zelda because, you know, you can imagine this was her childhood. This was where she came from. She was, she came from being absolutely adored, you know, and having this such like a promising childhood. Like everyone would talk about, you know, in her high school, how when she finally got married, it would be the wedding of a century. It would be a blowout party, you know, like that was what was expected of her because she had so many suitors. And then she, you know, ends up marrying this author, which at the time, you know, he was only beginning to become famous. He even, you know, he was pretty famous during his lifetime, but like, you know, even more so now. But at the time he was like this, you know, five, seven author and you know they got married in a very quiet ceremony her parents weren't even there it was just her you know her sisters were there and his friends from school he went to Princeton you know just a couple of friends and they got married in this quiet little you know ceremony you know and then he whisked her off and a lot of her like friends didn't see her for a very long time afterwards and by the time they saw her again she was mentally unstable and in and out of psych hospitals and you know I'm not going to dwell or kind of discuss in detail a lot you know her mental state just because there isn't any real solid evidence on what was going on with her mentally and I'm also no expert on mental illness and so I don't want to misspeak um, but you know ultimately she was diagnosed with schizophrenia although there wasn't much evidence now looking at it, you know, that shows that she was schizophrenic. If anything, it just shows that she had, you know, she had anxiety. And a lot of people at the time didn't understand what anxiety was. And so when she would have her panic attacks and her anxiety attacks, like people would just, they just didn't know what was going on. They were like, okay, she's schizophrenic, you know, that sort of thing. So there was a lot less, you know, research done, a lot less technology and such. So she was ultimately shipped off to a an asylum. She went in and out of psychiatric hospitals um, and places like that, you know, a lot of different places. And F. Scott Fitzgerald, her husband, I, I don't know why I keep referring to him as his full name, um, would pay for it, you know, and he would keep writing the books. And a lot of times he would use what she was writing to him and put it in the novels that he was writing. So it was kind of like this weird thing. He would literally, as I said, take her diary entries. A lot of, you know, the things that she said were worked into his novels. And so naturally that could drive any person insane that he was getting all the credit for everything that she was doing. And he was painting her up to be this crazy person. Like there was a, actually this... um. This rumor started at the time that Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald, they were like longtime friends, uh, were in a romantic relationship. So they were gay, which was a huge deal back then. And so in order to cover his own ass, F. Scott Fitzgerald went and said, "Okay, well, Zelda is a lesbian. And everyone was like, oh, my God, a lesbian. So it was like a bigger story. You know, Okay, so this is like the type of man that he was. He also she at one point you know, just became so just overwhelmed by the marriage, overwhelmed by the fact that she wasn't being heard because he was taking credit for her work, literally taking credit for her, everything she was writing and everything she was doing. And whenever she was writing something that, you know, he didn't see was going to work in one of his novels, he would tell her that it was horrible. And she was just being ridiculed by this man, you know, not to say that she wasn't also horrible to him because they, it was shown that they were horrible to each other. They were just toxic together. Um, but, you know, I can imagine that her, you know, this really creative, very bright mind, any person, but like, especially her, you know, I just picture her sitting in this asylum or the psychiatric 
hospital where, you know, kind of Nellie Bly style, like she wasn't, she didn't need to be there per se. Like, I mean, I don't want to say that because who's, who's to know, maybe she did have schizophrenia. I don't know for sure. But, you know, based on what I've read, you know, she's kind of just sitting in this place thinking, what is wrong with me? Not knowing, you know, that it's just, she's being kind of, her creativity is being suffocated by this marriage. And, you know, I can imagine she's sitting in this place, looking back at her life, looking back at the person that she used to be in high school and how, you know, the spirit that she used to have back then and thinking, I have failed that version of myself. Like if that young girl full of charisma and energy and passion and potential could see me now, would she be ashamed? You know, I can't help but wonder if she ever, if that thought ever crossed her mind, because it certainly crosses my mind every single day. And not to say I can, you know, even compare my life to hers, because obviously it's a lot different. And obviously women have a lot more rights now. Like we could just, you know, it's, it's just crazy. It's crazy. I talk about this all the time, just how amazing it is to be a woman in this day and age versus any other time period. Literally, we have such a voice now and we stand up for what we believe in. And it's really beautiful and powerful no matter what people say. You know, but if we're going along with the story of her being misdiagnosed, schizophrenic and, you know, just just having anxiety and people not understanding and whatever. So she's sitting in this psych ward. She ends up, guys, she ends up dying in a fire at the mental hospital that she was checked into in Asheville, North Carolina. And there was a fire that started in the kitchen of the building. And ultimately, she was identified by a slipper that she was wearing because her body was so charred from the fire. And she she died a pretty tragic death. And I don't want to like make this whole episode about death and about, you know, how Zelda was eventually destroyed as a human being or anything of that nature. I just kind of wanted to, first of all, bring to light how interesting she was as a child. You know, although a lot of the little like tidbits of things I shared tonight are kind of, you know, provocative or scandalous, she just had that energy, you know, as a person, but also in her writing that captivated people. That was just, you know, something that you that you would stop and look at type of thing, not just in a, you know, a a looks sense of it, like the way that she wrote, the way that she was. She was the first flapper. She literally caused, you know, a, a trend to occur back in the 1920s. And, you know, this is kind of a theory, but I think one thing that ultimately led to her demise was she stopped believing in herself and she started believing everything that everyone else was saying about her. You know, she was kind of convinced by everyone around her that she was going crazy. She was helpless. She, you know, her her work wasn't, you know, worth anything because, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald would steal her stuff. She would never get, you know, credit for it people just saw her as this always drunk socialite who apparently was a bad mother you know she let the opinions of everyone else around her drag her down and make her you know make her think that she was you know the future was bleak and it's interesting because you know at one point in time she you know as a young girl didn't care didn't seem to care about the opinions of anyone else but you know with age she became more you know, sober to the fact, not sober literally because she was always drunk apparently, but, you know, it was sobering her, you know, growing up, she learned the harsh realities of the world and she started believing everything that people were saying about her, which naturally you would guys, like especially when you're, you know, kind of growing up in the spotlight of this time period, such a turning point for women, you know, it's, it's, I can't blame her. And guys, at the end of the day, it's it's hard, you know, doing the whole thing, like the the poetic little thing, like, oh, make that, make your childhood self proud, you know, do everything 
you know, in the hopes that you'll make that person, that version of yourself, the like the younger version of yourself proud. It's hard to do that because we, you know, the childlike innocence is gone when you're in your 20s. Like this is an age, like you have to picture Zelda Fitzgerald when she had her first child, she was, or her only child, she was 20 years old. Like she is in her 20s when all of this stuff is happening, when she's just, you know, dealing with the scrutiny of her husband and all of this stuff in the limelight. She's only like in her 20s. She's just trying to like, you know, find herself still. And she has a child and, you know, I, it's, it's the type of thing where it's like you, it's incomparable. You can't try to live your life with that childlike innocence anymore. And, you know, with that naivete, because you're just not the same person. And so, you know, whenever I am faced with the, the concept of, am I making my younger self proud? You know, yes, it's kind of important in some elements. Like, you know, you should always look at life with a sort of childlike innocence that you can do anything. But guys, it's freaking hard. It is hard to look at your life with that type of innocence and that type of, you know, big picture mentality. Like I can do anything because guys, like as much as I'd like to say I can, like, what if I can't? What if I'm just going to crash and burn? And guys, you know, the the golden question, the question that a lot of us are probably thinking right now is, okay, so all of this shit went down in her marriage. Why did she stay? Why did she stay with F. Scott? Why? Just why? You know, some could say, oh, it's because she had a daughter with him and, you know, that changes things. But like also, you know, he was blatantly stealing her workout from under her why did did she stay it's obvious why you know he stayed he wanted to keep you know profiting off of her words and ultimately he did feel kind of responsible for her like when she was admitted you know to the hospital he paid for her bills he you know kept her there and kept her you know took care of the daughter and all that stuff you know so it's kind of difficult to you know to see exactly why you know the marriage ended up staying together for as long as it did and it was so back and forth and there was infidelity and you know he would flaunt younger girls in her face and all of this shit went down in the marriage you know why did she stay and it ultimately goes back to the whole concept you know now I wish I you know I wish obviously circumstances you know keep you places where you shouldn't be you know sometimes you feel kind of obligated or roped in but ultimately guys when you know when something is no longer making you a better person, when you are in a, a union, a friendship, any sort of relationship, you know, a job, something that isn't making you a better person in some way, you know, get the get the fuck out of there because that's not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be in a union that's making you a better person. Like she tried everything before she ended up just, you know, kind of going off the deep end. She literally, I mean, she tried every single thing she possibly could and then her husband would just say say it was shitty or tell her she was being ridiculous and that, like, she literally started dancing, like, professionally dancing because it gave her such joy to dance and she'd bring her daughter along and, you know, her Russian ballerina or ball, ball, ballet instructor told her that she was amazing and, like, that's a lot coming from someone from Russia, like a ballerina from Russia at the time. Um, so she was going like doing so great in that respect and then then he would just say like oh this is ridiculous like he would just criticize what she was doing saying you know blaming the fact that he hadn't written anything in three weeks on the fact that she was practicing ballet like okay I've lost a lot of respect for F. Scott Fitzgerald while researching um, her and him and you know obviously there's always things that are left out of history and who knows what actually happened but you know from the accounts it just seems like she just kind of lost hope in herself you know some could even say with her you know very you know bold kind of stubborn um, you know attitude that maybe she thought that 
she could eventually fix it or she could make it work or that she should just, you know, grow a pair or grow a uterus, <laughs> grow a vagina. I don't know. Um, the woman phrase of that and, you know, get over it and just deal with it, you know, but uh, to some point you gotta, you gotta realize guys, you know, that you deserve more than what you're getting. And there's this passage in my favorite book by my friend Bianca. She wrote it and it's called The Strength in Our Scars. That's the book. Um, I mentioned it a couple of episodes ago. Um, And she writes this passage that I just want to read and I want you guys to think about. I want you guys to marinate this in your brains. Maybe write it down, get it tattooed. I don't know. Um, But it's on page 85 if you have the book. And it says, I hope you know that you are deserving of everything that you want in life. You deserve to fall in love with someone who cares for you in the softest way, someone who drives you and believes in you and is always in your corner, not just when it's easy, but when it's hard too. You deserve to be that person for yourself as well. You deserve to be surrounded by people who grow your mind, people who make you better because they push you to be better. You deserve the kind of confidence that makes you believe that anything is possible, the kind that empowers your voice and your ideas and your capacity to seek out the things that you desire. You deserve moments of pure and intense happiness, the kind that makes you feel your heart beating against your chest, the kind that dizzies you and makes you realize that everything will be okay. Because it will be. It will be. You deserve to be chosen. You deserve to be loved the way that you love others. At the end of the day, you deserve to be inspired by your life. I hope that you never forget that. Damn. You guys should like, you know, go back and replay that and like listen to that whenever you're feeling down because it, it seriously gets me through everything just reading that. Like you deserve more than you are accepting, okay? Like point blank. Sometimes that's just, you got to be told that, girly. You are, you are, you deserve way more. You deserve way more. And so I think if there's anything we can get out of Zelda's story, you know, as tragic as it was, you know, although a lot of good literary works and some good artwork came out of it and, you know, her name is iconic to an extent. I mean, out of my followers, 50% of you guys know who she is. It's a lot. Um, you know, I think that it's it's important to see her story from all all views and all perspectives and to learn something from it. If anything, that you got to choose yourself and you got you know, to know that there's some, some instances where you can't just get over things. You know, you can't just, ugh, it's so tough. I know because you think you can save everyone. You think you can fix everyone, but you can't. And ultimately, sometimes you have to be selfish. So that's what I, that's what I learned from her story. That's what I got out of Zelda Fitzgerald. And I hope that, you know, she's somewhere up there looking down and saying, good work, Katie. <laughs> good work. <laughs> Love Thick and Thin podcast. Um, but yeah, so that is it. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, that's what my uh, math professor used to say. I don't know what, the, what that's from, but he used to always say that at the end of every lesson. So I'm just saying that at the end of this podcast episode. Um, so yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you guys all next week. Bye. Bye.